where I'd be like, hey guys, did you see Deadpool 2? The, 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 we definitely haven't had this conversation yet. Uh, Ashes by Celine Dion is great. Go watch it. And Deadpool dances around in the music video. It's fantastic. Anyway. I gotta watch Deadpool. You do have to watch Deadpool. <coughs> Hello everybody and welcome to the Chiluminati Podcast, officially episode 7. This episode is going live while the three of us are at Indie PopCon. Uh, so if you are at Indie PopCon and you are listening to this the day it goes live and then see us later that night or the next day, hey, tell us what a great job we did and how phenomenal we are as podcasters and how there is really no one any better than us. We're the top of our game uh, and uh, Jesse would like alcohol. I was I was about to say that it's very cocky of you to assume this is going to be a great episode, but then you just went full blast, and we're like, we're also the best there ever was. Yeah. I was like, oh, I guess say that's guys, right. Say, guys, if you see us, say, guys, let's face it, you're peerless. Now come on over to this bar and get drunk with right, me. Right, right. Let, let me buy you guys some booze, and then we'll be, we'll be your best friends for the night at the very least. Uh, and then the I'll tell least. you about how Alex really believes in the Mothman speaking to him at night. <laughs> guys, the Mothman is real. Okay, hold on. <laughs> What? Mothman talks to Alex. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Chapstick. I'm not. A, I'm literally not aware of this. What? No, he does not. He does not talk to me at night. But Chapstick. that is a good movie. What? Uh, what's in my drawer? I was gonna say just like like. Chapstick. Did you rub yourself down with a very particular drug? No, uh, no, just Mothman no. Prophecies. I just yeah. It's just a good. It's a it's a future episode of Chiluminati Pod. Yeah. That we oh yeah, we're definitely oh, yeah. gonna talk about. Uh, Chapstick. Yes, haunted chapstick <laughs> in the Mothman. At some point, Indrid, Indrid, cold. I'm very excited. <laughs> but uh, while we may be known for talking about cryptids and aliens and spooky ghosts and laughing about it, and some of us, some of us having our minds open to the idea that they these things may or may not exist in some form, others of us may or may not. Uh, today, we're going down a different avenue. The world of facts, which is different, and <laughs> true crime. What? I know. Chill. Facts. Like, verifiable facts. What the fuck is this? I know. I know. It's uh, our first true crime episode. We've been talking about and hinting at doing some true crime in the past. Uh, and today is going to be the final first episode of doing it. Um, honestly, it was kind of at a whim a few weeks ago. I was on one of my trips. I saw this book. And I, I did a quick, like, research. Uh, is the book good? Is it reliable, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and everybody's like, everybody who read the book said it's phenomenal, and this particular author is very, very good at what he does. All he does is write true crime stuff. And the book in question is The Butcher, Anatomy of a Mafia Psychopath by Philip Carlo. This is the oh, main man. source of research, as well as as much internet sleuthing as I could possibly do on names that I didn't recognize and uh, potential questions of whether what he's saying in here is true or not. And it seems pretty up-to-date and, and uh, pretty factual. And this is the story of a man by the name of Tommy Patera. He kind of had, he was a serial killer. There's really no other way to put it. He was a serial killer who worked within the mafia in the 70s into the 80s and was finally arrested in 1990. He had about a, a little over 10 years uh, of him doing what he did in Gravesend, Brooklyn, New York, where he is believed to have killed over 60 people, but he was put to, in prison with, um, he was put in prison because he was, found to at least have killed 18. There was enough evidence and bodies to convict He's him. He's from Gravesend, Brooklyn? Gravesend, Brooklyn, yeah. It's very um, He's from, foreshadowing. I'm not, sure I Murdertopia. I'm not sure I believe this story already. <laughs> He's from Murdertopia, Kill, kill Sylvania. <laughs> yeah, he's from <laughs> Kill Sylvania. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, 
that's where he was born and raised and uh, where he operated for his entire life until he was arrested. Uh, he's still alive today in a prison in Kentucky uh, under six life sentences and some other punishments that were slapped on top of him as well. Uh, the dude was a monster. There's just no other way to look at it. The dude was a verifiable monster who... It's as though you give you take any serial killer from the past and then give him the backings of the mafia and think about how rampant he can run and for how long before he's finally brought down. This is like when Tony Stark gave Spider-Man a new suit. Right, except murdering. Can I, right, can right. I give you Not guys a, the hype yeah. on this guy really quick? Yes, Just please. For people who have no clue. Yeah. <clears throat> this is totally true. This is the thing that happened. On August 11th, 1996... While he was in prison. I was going to say, this is already while I was in prison. Mm-hmm. While I was in prison. An inmate was seriously assaulted, yet the incident reports suggest that there was little physical evidence in terms of an assault. Only because witnesses saw it happen. And the inmate himself was pretty nervous that he actually denied even being assaulted, but only because people saw it happen do we know this happened. But apparently... Tommy beat this guy within an inch of his life, and there was no bruising or whatever on his body. That what? No, that makes complete sense. And we'll uh, yeah. we'll, we'll this talk is about like the kind of guy we're talking. Like yeah. he is a trained murderer. Yes, and he is like really good at it. And this is one of those things where they, unless people had, unless people had been there, people were there and they saw it go down and they reported it. If no one was there. No one would have known this guy got beat as bad as he did. Yep. What the hell did he do to him? Um, it says here that like he slapped was, his ass around until I, he this is what it fell says. down. Nevertheless, there were no there were no visible wounds. Nevertheless, the man was repeatedly beaten about the face with a heavy metal object that was never found. What the fuck? We will. I I knowing what I know and, and doing all the research I did, that is completely believable, and we'll yeah. talk about why. So this is going to be a two part episode. Um, this, this first part, this episode that we're doing today is going to talk about his childhood up until the point he joined the mafia. Uh, and during this, we'll actually learn about how he may have been able to beat somebody within an inch of their life without anybody ever being able to tell. And then episode two, what we do for the next one, it will be all about his life and his crime spree in the, uh, Bonanno family, which is the, the family he worked for specifically, but then the Bonobo family, Bonobos, Uh, oh man, I hear their ads on TV all the time. (laughs) Yo, the bonobos are the only primate that fuck facing each other. <laughs> the more you know. Zing, star goes across. Uh, Banano family, specifically. But how about we just dive into Tommy and we learn as Let's much as we can. Tommy Patera, also known as Tommy Karate Patera. which <laughs> Tommy Karate! That is the nickname the mafia gave him. And I will say That's this. That's what he did to this dude in jail. Uh, he right? Used some Tommy, he used Tommy Karate on him. Yeah, uh, he probably did use some Tommy Karate on him. Also, reading this book uh, and learning about all the people he worked with, m- they are the most Italian of Italian names, and I just got lost and confused as to who they were talking about half the time, where I'd have to go reread it like three times to set it apart. It reads like a movie, like a mafia movie, and I am surprised there is no movie about Tommy Patera because the shit he did is incredible. In, in a bad way, not a good way. Like, incredibly horrendous. Uh, good cover, Mathis. Also known as Tommy Karate Patera, <laughs> The Butcher, and as Wacko, uh, another name they gave him in the Mafia after he was already notorious for being basically a serial after killer. After one of the Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
he was a notorious mafia assassin that worked with the Bonanno crime family in Brooklyn, New York, between the years of 1976 and 1990, in which he was then arrested that December. In that time, he probably looked awesome the whole time. Oh yeah, really good, really good fashion. Oh, that's that's everybody you know uh, in the mafia always dressed to the nines in suits and drove wonderful cars. It's part of the allure of joining a, basically a crime ring. Um, I'm gonna picture Jeremy Renner. Yes, Jeremy Renner. Well, you can actually uh, look up the like picture. A, like a little chubbier Jeremy Renner. Yeah, sure. he's got a square yeah. draw than I think Jeremy Renner, and definitely he's got a little bit more weight to him. But I actually can and see he Jeremy Renner. doesn't know how to Renner. use a bow and arrow. And no, just, yeah, just right. his, his Not as good. Tommy he karate never fought, He never fought a robot. Yeah. <laughs> Not as attractive to the NASCAR crowd. Right. Yep. Of, of yeah. course. Uh, in that time where he worked with the mafia, on top of all the crimes that tend to come along with working with the mafia, including theft, money launderings, and inner mafia family squabbles, Tommy Karate Patera is believed to have killed over 60 people during his reign of terror. And a reign of terror is the only way I can think of describing what he did. This man was, without a doubt, a serial killer. From his mannerisms, to how he killed, to what he did after he killed them, to why he killed in the first place, everything that he did points to him being psychologically a serial killer. The real difference here was that this was a serial killer who had the full backing support and financial support of multiple, very powerful at the time, crime families, sanctioning his actions and rewarding him for those actions as well. Imagine a serial killer like Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer were able to do what they did, but they had millions of dollars behind them and many, many, many people covering their tracks for him. It's kind of a serial killer's wet dream in a lot of ways, where they get to be powerful and lord over the people they, they kind of deem underneath them, and then... Uh, continued to kill kind of indiscriminately in a lot of ways because he can and he enjoyed doing it. So did he do, did he, did he kill other people that were not part of the mafia? Like, yeah, like, did he like kill for the mafia, but then like, yo, if they got the right shape, it's time to do some Tommy Karate. So the way it went down, and we'll we'll talk about specifics later, uh, is that um, he was the go-to guy for all Mafia to, if anybody, they wanted him out. Uh, they usually went to Tommy or one other person, and they typically worked together, but Tommy was the no go-to guy. However, if anybody disrespected, uh, he didn't like, talked down to him, or just generally rubbed Tommy the wrong way, he would have them, he would kill them personally. He would just be like, you shouldn't have made that joke about me. It, literally, that happens. Yes. So Jesus. He's like the Goodfellas characters. Like, what am I, a clown? Like, can I make you laugh? Joe like, Pesci. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Pesci. <laughs> uh, I, I, there is a comparison to Joe Pesci that people have for him, actually, due to his voice. Like here for your amusement? Like that kind of thing? I mean, kill you? Yeah, more like well, it would be a little less direct. He would always let them get away with it, and then two days later, he would set up a meeting under false pretenses and then kill them. He would Holy he, shit. but the reason he did that is because he he always needed all of his tools available. This is a man who carried autopsy tools with him so he could dismember the bodies in his way afterward. Like this was not somebody he would just kind of go off and put a bullet in somebody's head. They were always thought out and it always went his way and he had his own personal burial ground which we'll talk about as to and, and it was integral as to why it took almost, you know, over 10 years to catch this guy, especially in what in the hell in the 80s. So, but let's rewind. Let's go all the way back to when Tommy Patera was born. Tommy Patera was born on December 2nd, 1954 in Gravesend, Brooklyn to the parents of Joseph and Catherine Patera. Sounds made up. 
Sounds yep, totally up. not real. <laughs> what what part is made He's up? The Gravesend one? All of this so far. Oh, Sounds like the beginning yeah. of a comic book character. Like <laughs> the fact that he's from Gravesend, yes. as in he sends you to your grave. Yeah, it's, very, it's very, uh, what, do you, they, what do you call those in real life? Like an idiosyncrasy, I think is the term, uh, where it's almost... What's, the, what's, that, what's, that mo- what's that movie with John Cusack? Oh, God. Synchronicity? Synchronicity is another Serendipity? one. Serendip- Serendipitous? Yeah, but like the murder version of Serendipitous. Like the, where like the good is just like that it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> it's very telling of what would happen to this this boy uh, over time. He also had a sister named Teresa, and apparently a, an extended family where they were all very close with each other. Uh, it seems like he he had a pretty normal, uh, loving family for this time. His parents were hardworking people, attended church regularly, and hailed from southern Italy. His father Joseph was a candy salesman. He dr- I feel like that's like a really good serial killer parent job, right? <laughs> like yeah. your dad was this candy, this, a candy salesman. None of this seems real so far. It all seems like if I had to write the backstory of a guy Dexter tried to kill, <laughs> this would be it. It's so mundane, though. Like, his dad would drive around all of the boroughs with his car packed with delicious treats. Mary Jane's, Pixie Sticks, Bazooka Gum, and more. He just drove around. He was a door-to-door candy salesman. Kind of like the ice cream man, but creepier. Yeah, there's like a guy who's like not the ice cream man who like shows up outside my house sometimes <laughs> and he like does his little sound and then like he's just like in a truck and he's got like a few snacks. He's got like fruit and stuff. Everybody loves him, but it's just, you know, it's not an ice cream man and that's why it's weird. It sounds like like a street food vendor, though. He's like a guy. It's like a it's like a 7-Eleven that's on that's like. In front of your house for a few seconds. For a few seconds? Is it going to last like an hour? Yeah, he's, he just comes and sets up for a minute, and then he's off. It's exactly like an ice cream man. <laughs> like, he's always on the move. That's so weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, if you... So I, so, I have, so I have a point of reference for this. Yeah, you have a weird point of reference. But yeah. this guy doesn't have a truck. Uh, apparently, he drove around his own car, is what uh, his dad Oh, did. that's very strange. Yeah, it was in his... Like, all the candy was in the trunk of his car. And that's what it's he like sold. somebody gave him the job of candy salesman, and then he never like asked anyone or looked up what you do when you sell candy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, it's not he, ent- read, he read the vacuum salesman book, and he, he did that. <laughs> right, yeah, that's exactly like I will do this, but for candy. Children yeah. love candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Now it isn't entirely clear whether his mother had a job, but the way it sounds is that the mother was a stay-at-home mom, which is not uh, surprising for the time, for the 50s. The po- point being stable home life. Stable home life, etc., etc. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it did seem as though she was stay-at-home, like I said, and took care of her kids the best she could. There's no stories of parental abuse or weird shit that happened, though. It's possible that did happen, and we just never un- we never got the story from Tommy or people who knew him when he was growing up. Yeah, maybe it was more like a phantom thread, very passive-aggressive. Yeah, because the thing with serial killers that kind of always runs through is there's always childhood trauma, usually sexual childhood trauma or some sort of, uh, you know, the father is absent and they're raised by just their mother and things are really weird at home. Um, But that doesn't seem to be the case with Tommy here, and it's possible he was just kind of a fucked-up guy. Um, Regardless, uh, however, parents can't always protect their kids from everything, especially against bullies, uh, while they aren't, uh, especially while the parents aren't around. And while from everything I was able to look up, it seemed Tommy had a relatively normal childhood, he was what many called an unusual child. Or at the least, unusual looking. He had straight, jet black hair, blue-gray eyes, a hell of a jawline, as well as being thin and pale. He was a target of plenty of bullying. 
But the thing that got him the most negative attention all through his life up until today was his high-pitched voice. Many people said it's more akin to a girl's voice than a boy's. Tons of people compare it to Mickey or Minnie Mouse. And that voice would remain with him until this very day. And it was the reason he got made what fun of a ton. F- what the fuck? Okay, so so he, so he, he'd be like, laugh it up. I'll see you in two days. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of thing? Are you making fun of me? I got a oh, silence oh, clock. Oh, in- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll my God. Do we have have you have Mickey, you ever heard him the talk? serial killer? Have you ever heard him talk? Uh, no, I can't find any recordings of him anywhere. I don't blame him. Yeah, I didn't want to record my voice. Got got what the fishers see. <laughs> oh, Mickey the serial killer! You're just the most adorable cartoon. That's I'll right. take him out on Steamboat Willie. Give him some of my Tommy karate. Sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I smoke drugs. I smoke drugs. I smoke. I smoke dr- drugs. Oh boy. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, <laughs> small, pale, and high-pitched voice. Tommy was the perfect target for childhood bullying, especially in Gravesend. It was a town filled with blue-collar workers and laborers. Here, the it rule was of- voted deepest voiced town of nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the way it sounds. Like, all the people, all the guys walking around, just shirtless, muscular, sweaty, scarred. I imagine everybody just looked like a mean motherfucker back then in that town. It's like Tommy Karate just ripped his pants. (laughs) (laughs) And then Tommy Karate, I ripped off your arm. (laughs) Here, the rule of law was uh, stopped with, here the rule of law was basically stopped with the person being hurt. Whoever was last man standing was the winner of the argument. That's all it took. Someone say something nasty, then you better give it back, but ten times worse. Get punched, you better swing and aim to knock out some teeth or do more damage. Last one standing is the winner. End of story. And poor Tommy, poor motherfucker, he never won anything. Every day, sometimes multiple times a day, Tommy would be picked on, made fun of, kicked, punched, teased for how he looked and how he sounded. And being small and frail meant he could do almost nothing to fight back. So he went to the desert and joined the League of Shadows. (laughs) You don't know how close to reality you are. Uh, What do you mean? Oh, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it in this (laughs) episode. Okay. All right. All right. And one might think one would go to his parents. At least that's what I did. So I don't know about you two, but in high school and elementary school, I was the subject of torment forever. I was short. I had a high-pitched voice until I was a junior in high school. Oh, jeez, mother. <laughs> I got That's shoved terrible. in a lo- I literally got shoved in a locker. Like that happened to me. Uh, I know I know the vibe, yeah. Yeah, I got I was like the like I got picked on and punched and all kinds of shit all the fucking time. So, just while there may be a level of empathy for people who get picked on and I have that empathy for you, it is in no way an excuse to become who Tommy became. Yeah. And I never I went to my parents as well. You know, they helped me deal with it and it was it was help, healthy for me to do so. Um but or Tommy, maybe we're all just keeping it real chill. Like all of us who were bullied in high school just are killers. <laughs> right deep yeah, down, yeah. we just the yeah, seed of We just are. We're just really good at it. What what would be your mafia assassin nickname? Sleepy. Alex Sleepy Faciane? Hell yeah. It's got to be me. Jesse the uh, Joker? No, I'd be no. like Jesse the Fish. Jesse the fish. <laughs> you got that. It's like, you can't, you can't that's have like, like, like drive name. time. That's your drive time DJ name. 
Sleepy and the Fish. <laughs> what about Mike? Podcasting live, live, live. <laughs> Mike is boring Martin. <laughs> I got I got nothing. No, Mike is like, boring like, Martin? You'd be like, I don't know. They call exactly. you like. <laughs> exactly. No, they, they, call, Mathis, they call you like the cheese. The forgettable? Yeah, yeah, the Mikey. cheese? They call you the cheese. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Why? Chili. Chili beans. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Chili beans is better. Yeah, yeah. Like. Oh man. Yeah. It's never anything good, and it's never anything that makes sense. Call I don't know, man. Tommy Karate. I was gonna say t- that makes no sense. <laughs> it's perfect. No, it'll Jesse make sense. The fish. I promise. Sleepy it's Alex. Make sense. <laughs> well, then you know it, it makes sense, and it will make sense. But um, so like I said, Tommy didn't go to his parents. That was just a weird tangent. Uh, the only people who could protect him at this time would be them, and instead. He didn't want to seem weak to them, so he hid it. He would come home, pretend nothing would happen, and more often than not, he would go to his room and cry, uh, and just cry out everything that happened for that day, which is also healthy. I did that plenty of times. Um, but he, he, his parents never knew, and he always had this facade of everything is going to be okay. So nobody really knew he was kind of being tortured uh, as a kid, more or less. Um, so... I, I, my brain literally, I had a, ta- I had a tangent and it's gone and he, he, and he was gone. Oh, well, uh, but while he cried, he, he would always envision being, uh, getting his revenge as even I did. I think, you know, not necessarily murdering them, but oh, being able to That's pick what on I'm them hearing. back. Yeah. yeah. Just fantasize, you know, like when you get, when you get beaten down a little bit, you, you want to punch them like, back, right? You just fantasize your victory. Yeah. Are you, you come on, we've all, your even, even on smaller scales, we've always, we've all been in the shower, right? And thought of the perfect comeback to an Whoa. argument we had. No. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. You're in the shower, you're jacking off, you're thinking about how to get back at your bullies. <laughs> See, that's, that is the mix for Serial Killer. Mixing your sexual fantasies with your violent ones. Don't oh, do yeah, it. everyone knows that. Don't do Guys, it. Guys, just don't mix them. Don't mix. Everyone knows that. Don't cross the streams for that. Yeah, anyway. yeah I don't do that. <laughs> um, but like I said, he, he wanted to get his revenge in at least some, some way. And he would. At least he would try. So, being able to, unable to fight back, being scrawny, pale, nerdy, high-pitched, Tommy went the more subtle route. He would steal things from those that uh, caused him pain. Uh, and then he would go on the street and hawk them for, quick, for a quick buck. He would never tell the people that he was stealing them. He would just do it. And it's kind of his way of giving the middle finger to everybody who fucked him over in the past and make some quick cash in the process. The like only he just, like, steal somebody's, like iPhone and sell it. Yeah. Kind of so the example, one of the examples that they that that's out there is he stole uh, one of his bullies' little league gear, and he would then hawk it on the street. You know, a few days later, make a quick buck, get rid of it, and basically his way of getting back at him. <laughs> I would li- I would like pay money to watch that exchange go. Hey man, you need a uh, little league gear? <laughs> Who's, who who wants to know? <laughs> Me. Where where? where uh, hey uh, hey Tommy. Where'd you get that stuff, man? What stuff? All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay. What See you stuff? later. What stuff? See you later. <laughs> exactly. See you later. Uh, but no amount of thieving would stop the bullying, and he would have to endure it for a while still. Many years, in fact. It wouldn't be until Tommy saw the TV show Green Hornet that his mind would venture <laughs> toward violence as a more acceptable solution in his mind. No. I know, right? Really weird. Specifically, he had a fascination with Bruce Lee uh, and his martial arts. Because he played Kato, I think, which was the Green Hornet sidekick on that show. Yeah. 
Kato? Kato? Is it Kato Kato? Yeah, it's Kato. It's Kato. I've never yeah. seen Green Hornet, actually. I've never it's seen It's literally, it. if you, like, imagine the exact same TV show as Batman, the Batman, the, like, classic uh, Adam West Batman. Yep. That kind except, of stuff. Except Robin is Bruce Lee and Batman is the Green Hornet. Okay. Is it good, though? It's exactly the same thing as Batman. So okay. it's, like, very hokey, lots of, like walking on the ground and turning the camera to oh, go okay. up the side of a building. Yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, that makes sense, though. I mean, that was kind of like the special effects for the time. And this is yeah. kind of a charm to it, I admit. Um, yeah. Plus, but, Bruce Lee did, like, sick moves. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And actually, that's immediately who he connected with, uh, Tommy. He connected with Bruce Lee instantaneously, and, his Bruce, and Bruce Lee's character who beat up the bad guys and always showed respect to those he deemed innocent and worthy, especially women. From here, Tommy would entangle his fantasies of being a martial arts master, respected while being still respectful in return, and his urge for revenge and power. Specifically, power over those he deemed under him. After all, Green Hornet was all about street justice, and that's the only kind of justice Tommy had ever known. Wow, so he really did go join the League of Shadows. Oh, he really did. He did. Uh... And it's, it's incredible, his, his weird journey that led him to become who he became. So, uh, But if Green Horton hadn't been enough for him, Bruce Lee's first major motion picture, Marlo, Marlo? And, Marlo <laughs> in, in 1969, would be more than enough. Okay, as a man who has never seen Marlo, please tell me why that excited the shit out of you. Marlo is about, like, Philip Marlo, the, the like, uh, you know... What, who's, what's the name of the guy? Chandler? Like, Raymond Chandler detective? And Bruce oh, really? Lee's basically just, like, a ninja in that. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, he's Winslow. I, I, I forget what his last name is. It's, like, it's like, it's like Charlie Chan type name. Oh, okay. And he's, and he's just, like, literally a kung fu master that, like, <laughs> is in the movie for a minute. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that was, that was, like, the last hook he needed, apparently. Uh, from then on, Tommy was hooked on martial arts. Uh, from passing interest, from what was an initially passing interest, rather, to a full-blown... His name, by the way, his name was Winslow Wong. Was Winslow name. Wong. That's actually I knew great. Winslow because I could never forget Winslow because when I first saw the movie, I could only think of Carl Winslow. Yes! that's When you said Winslow, I was like, family matters? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I can't remember. I couldn't remember. It's Wong? Yeah, wa- Winslow Wong. <laughs> Winslow Wong. I was going to say Winslow Wang, so I'm, I'm glad I didn't guess. All right. Interesting. I think that's a great... I love the alliteration. Winslow Wong. Very, very early Marvel comics, yeah. Yeah, incredibly. Um, but anyway, he... Uh, yeah, his, his interest from martial arts was just kind of an interest initially, like a hobby. Uh, but after this movie, it literally became, like I said, a full-blown obsession. It's all he cared about, all he thought about, the only thing he wanted to do. He embraced everything about it, from the restrictions that they imposed on you to the sense of honor and duty surrounding it, never pick a fight, turn the other cheek unless absolutely forced, be righteous and respectful, and he was. All of those things for a time. He, so can I just, can I just like, clarify yeah. something then? Yeah. So he just, like, he didn't actually, like, go to a martial arts class right away. He just was, like, he, like, weebed it up. He, like, he, like assumed the philosophy he assumed the like, philosophy and started taking lessons locally okay so he, he did, did take some karate okay. yeah yeah no he took a lot of karate he was in it like in it to win it uh the dude was completely utterly obsessed and 
after elementary school, because all this was happening during elementary school for him. And then once so, high school started coming along, Tommy was becoming a different person. The Tommy that everyone had known, the shy one, pale kid, uh, weird-looking, high-pitched voice, uh, just weak in general, had been replaced with a bigger and scarier Tommy. He now walked with his head held high, shoulders squared in back, and had a very commanding, confident presence. No longer was he fragile, but the utter dedication to martial arts over the years had toughened him up completely. Muscular body, his fists had flattened from punching a punching bag untold amount of times through the years. He had a massive six-pack, and he had long black hair emulating that of his hero, Bruce Lee. Tommy was an entirely different person now. The Bruce bull- Lee's hair on anybody who's not, <laughs> like, at least a little bit Chinese-looking is, <laughs> like, hard for me to understand. It, I'm thinking of, like, Mo from The Three Stooges. If it helps, his parents kind of uh, a, 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 kind of compared him to a hippie, more or less. With how really? beatnik? Yeah, his parents compared him to a hippie when it came to how he looked at this particular time in his life. Sure. So. But. Weird. It worked. The bullying stopped, and though his voice was still high-pitched, it's as though he trained as hard as he did to compensate for that voice. His hands and feet were weapons now, and he knew it. People would take wide berths around him, the, bur- the bullies who were bullying him stopped completely, and he had the attention of girls, which was something a little no. strange for him. Yeah. See, really? Yeah, see, if there's a negative aspect about you, you can always compensate, boys and girls. Comedy is a great by learning compensation. Karate. Yeah. Or learning or, karate. Yeah, by becoming a psycho killer. Yes, or, yeah. you know, that too. That too. Do what I did. Be funny. And yeah. You know, <laughs> I honestly think, and this is why I wrote this down, I honestly believe that if Tommy had maybe grown up somewhere else, I do wonder if he would have become somebody different. If his respect and his honor and his duty and everything he, he really cherished and idolized about, not only Bruce Lee, but the martial arts mindset would have turned him into somebody that could be respected uh, and kind of lived a normal life. But I wonder what would have happened if he watched Bonanza instead of King Hornet. <laughs> or Batman, even, for that matter. Batman? Yeah, but see, I wonder if he would have taken... I wonder if he would have looked at Batman and been like, Batman doesn't finish the job, he needs to kill the bad guys. Damn. Oh my god. Damn. That would have been... Even, then we would have had freaking the Punisher on our hands. Or the Joker, straight up. Yeah. Um, He's like, yo, the Joker's got some good ideas. <laughs> right, right, right. Anarchy. Peace through anarchy. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but he didn't turn into somebody different, unfortunately, for basically all of his victims uh, from here on out. He, he was, was born, born in Dead Body, California. <laughs> he was born in, yes, Gravesend, Brooklyn, in the 50s and 60s, a place completely and almost hilariously openly run by the mafia. Specifically, there were five very powerful families that all worked together and even had a mafia, uh, like a, a council of the heads of all the families that they would get together once a week, have dinner and talk about everything they were doing and how to work with each other and stay out of each other's territories. Like the Sopranos? Yes. Straight up? Yes. Like, <laughs> just straight up? Just no, like that? the more I read, the more the Sopranos clearly has influence from actual Mafia members. Like You know, you, you read stories about the Mafia, and you're like, yeah, I mean, the Mafia, I get it. Like, they're like the crime family. I like, you know, you see in The Godfather, you, get the, you understand how the rules work. But then, like, I was listening to a podcast about, uh, what's his name? That, like, super jerk guy from New Jersey, uh, Chris Christie. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. And, like, that is, like, exactly how it still works. It's, like, still very much just, like, controlled by, like, 
people behind the scenes in yep. organized crime. It's wild. That man. is so strange. That is just like not a thing we have out here on this side of the co- on the country of the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, Vegas was pretty close. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, out I just, on the East Coast, more so. Yeah. I just like L.A. It just doesn't have that. I guess there's enough like legit rich people here that it's different. Yeah. Like they they run their own the mafia. Inter- it's called corporations. Yeah, the entertainment industry. Yeah. <laughs> in the inter- in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like. Back then, and maybe, I mean, I'm sure, like you said, it exists nowadays, but back then, they just openly were everywhere. They had no nothing to hide. They didn't care. They could, and the they mafia, look like you think they did, too. Exactly as you think they would did. They could be seen driving all their fancy cars, living lavish, almost royal lifestyles. Sure, the cops were around, but if they weren't bought off by the mafia, then those were uh, those that were able to put any criminals behind bars, those criminals were very quickly replaced. Gravesend seemed to breed criminals, and there was always someone eager to jump into the promise of riches and beautiful women, no matter the cost. So they they basically like the pe- the kids who grew up seeing the mafia and and kind of romanticizing the mafia. They were easy pickings. If they if anybody in the mafia lost somebody, they had somebody else to recruit. You know, it was almost a never ending stream of just criminals. So there was very it's little Hail Hydra. Yeah, it was. There's very little the the cops did, and like I said, there was a ton of crooked cops. It wasn't for if it wasn't for a couple of heroes we'll talk about in the second episode in the FBI that did everything they could to put this man behind bars. I wonder, you know, how it would be today. Um, it's insane, and and it's almost like the movies and that that we see all the time talking about how the how the mafia worked back then. It's I mean, that's similar. exactly what those movies are fucking about, right? Yeah, like it's, the it's, real ass mafia. It's crazy. I always thought that was fantasy, but it's not. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, and Tommy, Tommy saw all of it, and more importantly, he really wanted it. It would afford him the money in life he always dreamed of, while giving him that ultimate fantasy of power that he could lord over those he deemed not worthy. He saw his father in the menial job that he worked as a candy salesman, and door-to-door <laughs> door door candy salesman, and decided that he really, really wanted more uh, than, than that. And I'm not over this candy sale. That is, that is literally <laughs> what his job was, right? Door-to-door door candy salesman, yeah. Literally the, the very exact thing that you warn your children <laughs> not to ever interact with or talk to. If there's a man and he says he has candy in his car and you've never seen him before and he wants to give you some, do not talk to that man. No, not at all. But I wonder if that warning comes from these days where there was people going door to door <laughs> selling candy yeah, I, and kids I, would I, just that, go missing. That, that blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time, man. The 50s and 60s were, were wild. But the 50s and 60s, fascinatingly enough, and the 70s to an extent, um, were rife with serial killers. Like, it is insane. And the theories as to why are just as fascinating. Um one of the things that, that's talked about a little bit in the book is, like, this this era of, of, of time where there were so many serial killers, there's basically two dominating theories as to why they were so prevalent. One being lack of surveillance. Like, they don't have – we didn't have the surveillance like we do nowadays with cell phones and cameras and all this other nonsense everywhere, uh, which really prevents serial killers from kind of doing what they do for very long at least. Another one that I've read that people think is lead. Lead was everywhere and in everything. And it's shown that lead can cause aggression in people and really fuck with them, especially if you're in kind of taking it into your body constantly. And people are wondering if lead attributed or helped in some way serial killers be who they would eventually become. I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions about this. Yes. Because this is just kind of a tangential theory that that I've read. Right, right, right. I feel like... 
theories like this need specificity, mm-hmm. mostly because there wasn't surveillance for centuries, millennia before that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, they're Jack the Ripper, and there were other serial killers that existed in the past. Yep. So, so this time period, I feel like, if if we're gonna say it's because there was no surveillance, we should also say it's because for the first time. Someone could get someplace very, very fast. So That's you could kill someone true. and be gone, and mm-hmm. no one would know. And you, you could just hop on. on a train and you're just out. Hell, you could literally get in a car and drive away. And you know, up until recently, that wasn't a thing everyone could do. Yeah. Um, well, and, something uh, fascinating about serial killers—they always operate almost. The FBI have their own profile, the way to profile serial killers, and, and serial killers almost always. Their first kills, at the very least, are almost always near where they live, or at least in the in the town where they like live. Where tries, they, like where their first tries. First, well, or, or successes because it's where they're comfortable. It's where they know the ins and outs, and they feel safer there. You got to be comfortable is, with your work. Yeah, of course. True. Yeah, of course. But the thing is, with with the that as well, like, um, the 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 idea of of a serial killer killing somebody without motivation even if they operate in the same town it can still be very hard to figure out who it is especially if it's a true serial serial killer cuz a serial killer can be struck with the urge to kill at any point seeing any person even if they're not attached to them in any way yeah it's not logical it's, it's not exactly a logical it's not murder. logical it's very hard to track them down uh and forensic sciences were still budding and new especially back then and even now we don't actually know what the fuck we're just like Better at we've just had more experience. Well, yeah. Like, look at look at the Zodiac Killer. We never caught the Zodiac Killer, and it's I mean, po- it's possible the Zodiac Killer inspired a ton of people to be uh, copycats and take on his yeah, name. I think even. it's the celebrity. I think it's the celebrity aspect that really yes. has created uh, the uh, the serial killer like idea there's that so, we have. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot. There's a lot to that. That'd be a fun topic. Just serial killers in general in a future episode. Um, but yeah. That, that's uh, that's just something kind of a little tangential thing that that they talked about a little bit. And real quick, real quick, Arthur Lee Allen. Let's be fucking real about that. That's who Zodiac was. <laughs> I don't know who that is. It's uh, the obvious suspect for the the Zodiac. Gotcha. And then, and uh, not to get too deep into it, but if that, he's the obvious suspect, why just no evidence that it's actually him? Just a lot of circumstantial. I'm assuming. Pretty much. I mean, like. Gotcha. It, I uh, I read the book uh, about the the murder the the murders that was like the one that they based the movie off of, mm-hmm. uh, and that one is like it's one of those books that you just love to find where it's somebody who just like has no connection to it who just gets like super obsessed with it and yeah. then just like becomes very connected to it, mm-hmm. which is just like my favorite type of book to read. And so I read a, you know, I I went down a Kennedy rabbit hole one time. I went down a Zodiac rabbit hole one time. If you haven't seen that movie, you should. That that Chiluminati, like a Zodiac Chiluminati, it's like, you know, walking the line between mystery and true crime. Right, and right. I would I would love to talk about the Zodiac in the future, but oh, like, man, hundred percent. Good lord. Yeah, that's another fascinating, fascinating case. Um, but back to Tommy Patera. While Mister Patera, or should we call him Tommy Karate? Uh, Tommy Karate is like <laughs> uh, Tommy Karate. Come on, it's a Tommy Karate. My he, boy. Tommy Karate. <laughs> while he forever, right? Yeah. While he uh, while he fantasized and, and kind of um, romanticized the idea uh, of the mafia, it would still be a long time before he would be known and become the butcher for a while. Uh, and his martial arts trainings would carry him still a bit further before that would happen. 
And the biggest turning point, the part where we really Get see Tommy turn the corner. This is Street Fighter. This is fucking Street Fighter. Now. So yeah, while while this is this is the point right here where where Tommy takes his first big turn, where we start to see the I'm serial killer I've been start coming for the out. Turn. Let's do a it. large martial arts tournament was held in Brooklyn's in Brooklyn's Sheep's Head Bay. That would be his next step. If he won, he would win a substantial cash prize, prestige, and would be lauded. Uh, and a ton of prestige would be lauded onto the winner if it was him. But most importantly, he would also win a what they deemed a scholarship to go and live in Japan and study under one of Japan's most respected martial artists Get at the, the time. Get the fuck out of here! And win is exactly what Tommy did. And no. so he was sent off to Japan to study martial arts a no. little further. He's fucking this, literally Tommy yes, Karate? He is literally Tommy Karate. Real. It is real. No! Yes. Tommy Karate, codename 47. He, this he, is like <laughs> some shit. He was a, a monstrously good at martial arts. This is and, incredible. And beat everybody in the tournament that was held in New York at the time in Brooklyn. And uh, was literally flown off to Japan to practice and train. And then more. he changed his name to Sagat, and <laughs> he got uppercutted in the chest. Uh, and maybe surprisingly or unsurprisingly, when Tommy arrived in Japan, he took to Japanese life instantly. He was already considered a loner at home, and so he kind of embraced that, became more focused, and used it to his advantage. That he was got all... like the like polite treatment, but was still completely ostracized. <laughs> yeah, but he loved that. He loved being left alone, and uh, that was like I said, and and all that that lonerness was amplified in Japan because, like you said, people were polite. Do you think he killed and... people in Japan? No, he did not. He did. He not. would never do that. <laughs> he he wouldn't become become a killer yet. Uh, it was the sense of honor, duty, and the samurai way of thinking that was still around in a post World War II. Uh, it's still around the, now, dude. In remember the 60s. when the Sony guy? Remember when the Sony CEO or whatever he bowed for like thirty seconds after yeah. everybody's passwords got released? That's right. Like that, it's still very much there. Yeah, and that he loved that Tommy. It stuck with Tommy instantaneously, and he began began to tra- train under his new sensei, whose name was Hiroshi Masumi, seven days a week. His diet changed while he was there to rice and fish almost exclusively, and because of that, he had basically no fat on his body and he got bigger and stronger uh more efficient at fighting trained as hard as he possibly could every single day and when he wasn't training in his off time he read and what he read was almost exclusively books on war fighting how to kill and human anatomy and those books would be found at the uh, arrest of tommy karate patera so and they were well worn with dog-eared pages, uh, and he voraciously consumed how the best to fight and kill other people. He, that's that was his obsession in Japan while he was. Gotta there. be honest, so far, super inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> if the movie ended like right here, right here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super inspiring story. Yep. Yeah, it would be if it, if it ended here or ended in a potential way it could have ended that we're about to get to. So while he was there, it's as also as it's as though all he gave a shit about uh, now was being the best fighter he possibly could be. And while that was an obsession in the U.S. in Japan, he got to live, eat, and breathe it. There was nothing else for him to do. No family, no job, nothing. He just all he had to do was fight and live in Japan while slowly turning the best fighter into the best killer. In Japan. 
what was once his passion truly and completely became his life. And when that scholarship ended, he actually took up a job in Japan and extended his stay there as long as he could to train more. It would be 27 months before he would be home. <coughs> 27, 27 months of living and breathing nothing but martial arts while consuming books. He just did, books. like, Japanese murder work study? Yeah, more. that's exactly how he treated it at the very least. Like, you say it, like, in a joking way, but it's true. Um, what in the hell? It, 27 months of living, breathing, nothing, like I said, but that, and, and consuming all of the books, um, how to kill your opponents the best way. That's all he read. Irre- irreversibly tying them together in his mind. The Tommy that left the U.S. was dangerous, but the one that would return would be murderous. That's why you don't go to college undeclared. That's why, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, In 1976, Tommy would return home to Gravesend. As much as he he left it, it was still run by the mafia, specifically the Bonanno crime family. Bonanno's pajamas. Listen, if you're listening, Bonanno crime family, I'm, it's all good, man. Don't worry. Please There's, don't kill me. Holy yeah, right. Shit. Don't. We're just we're here to tell, make stories, and laugh, and make fun of your ridiculous, terrible, horrendous. You should be behind bars. Crimes. I didn't even <clears throat> real, realize you guys were real until I heard about <laughs> until today. Christy. Please let me be. <laughs> uh, and his dreams. I for while- one, welcome our Bonanno crime family. Yeah, I have no problem with that. <laughs> Are you Jesse Karate? <laughs> hey, 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 what you know about that? Hey, Jesse Karate over here. Highest voice, highest kicks. Here we are. <laughs> I'm just mesmerized by this story. This is so bonkers so far. And if if this was a movie, Jean-Claude Van Damme would be Tommy Karate. He'd come back and win a tournament, and then that'd be the end of the movie. Like, yeah, exactly. So far, this is nonsense. This is insanity. He would, cook, he would kick that bully's ass so yeah the hard. bullies that beat him up he'd go back and he beat them up the end but he would let them live is the, is the difference have you seen jean-claude van damme movies i don't think so you don't think so he would have murdered them he would have broken those men yeah you Maybe broken in the them in a batman did. way though no broken them in like a i snapped <laughs> their arms off a kind bone of pile. Yeah. <laughs> god damn it well uh <laughs> upon returning to the u.s all those dreams of a luxurious life uh, we're still there. They hadn't left him. But instead, they were now kind of closer than ever. Tommy wasn't a kid anymore. The years in Japan had ensured that. He was stoic and respectful. He even toyed with the idea of opening his own martial arts school in the area when he moved back. And that would have been the most storybook ending I would have hoped for. If he just, if he just did that, he would have been fine. Right, came back, you know, he's this fucking ripped, this one little, like, meek, pale nerd becomes, like, the best martial artist in his area, at the very least, opens up a karate. It's like, it's like a karate kid, the resurgence that's happening right now. Have any of you seen that? The, the Cobra Kai show? Yeah, the Cobra Kai show. I haven't seen it yet. I, so, I hear it's pretty good. Yeah, apparently it's actually great. And the, the, what, what was the punk's name in the, in the original movies? I can't remember. Uh, the blonde one. McGee, I think. Uh, yeah, no, so this, I, can't, I can't remember. The, oh yeah, but him. The story actually follows him more more than the other one, and he actually opens up his own martial arts school and starts teaching kids how to defend themselves and stuff. So. Yeah, if he did that, if he did yeah. that, it would have been similar. Right. It's as though it's like the Karate Kid villain became a serial killer. Is what we got this instead. Is, this is literally like a guy that works for M. Bison. This is like <laughs> indistinct. Like if the if the new Street Fighter came out and there's a guy named Tommy in the game, like it's this guy. 
<laughs> Straight up. I would not doubt it in a second. But uh, unfortunately for everybody in the next 12 or so years, that's not what Tommy did. He toyed with the idea, but he looked at his father and saw two roads. The roads to, to menial work, even if it meant owning his own karate school. Or the means to riches and mansions and kind of fame in his local area. Most importantly, power. He saw all the mafia had and wanted it all as well. And it wouldn't be long before he was hanging out with a man by the name of Anthony Bruno Indelicato. How does he handle things? He's very indelicate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I cannot believe that's his real name. Anthony Bruno Indelicato. A man who was known purely and respected fully by the mafia for how readily he would kill someone. His nickname from the mafia was Whack Whack. Anthony Whack Whack Indelicato. They couldn't call him Indelicato? Nope, they called him Whack Whack because he would just whack people. That's all they should just call him Killer. They should just call him all Killer. Listen, the mafia, there are a lot of things. Creative isn't one of them. Good at making up nicknames? You know what, though? I want to say... Low-key, they're pretty good at making up nicknames. <laughs> because they're so ridiculous? Whack Whack is, like, a name you would give to, like, a cat that, like, got hurt and you nursed it back to health, right? But that's the murderer who it, is that, Is that a name you give a cat that you nurse back to health? It is now. Just, <laughs> you know, like, you'd get you'd name a cat, like, Stinky. Uh, butts. Whack Whack. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just stinky? a not... It's, like it's just, like, a weird... Weird name for like I don't know. It's funny Doesn't that somebody that's like, we know have a cat named Butts. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. But but I just mean like whack whack is like not a fun like not a it doesn't. It's it's like a it's like an ironic name. It's, it's very not, funny. It's very indelicate. Indelicato, if you will. <laughs> we got to get this guy killed. Who are we gonna call? Call whack whack. That whackity whack. Don't talk back. <laughs> Uh, they won't ever talk back again. <laughs> the, oh, oh, oh he's got a, he's got like a calling card and everything. He's got yeah. a business card with that saying. Whackity whack, they'll never talk back again. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, he somebody got, he make got it us... done by the guy that did the the band that did yakety yak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They owed the mob some money. And they were like, yeah. yeah, okay, we'll do it, please. Yeah, please, please leave us alone. <laughs> um, the way they describe and the way they talk about uh, Mr. Whack Whack is that he cared more about how he looked and how he presented himself than those he, he killed. He was very dismissive of those he killed. He, he saw them nothing more as work and business than as actual people. I was just and, thinking that. He was the, like, it's only business. He was that guy. Yeah, that's how they describe it. They, he was very much just a it's only business kind of guy. He may have killed a lot of people, but that was his job. And while that's terrible and he hopefully is in prison, they don't really say in the book, um... You know, it didn't seem like, at the very least, he had the mannerisms of a serial killer like Mr. Uh, Patera would have. But Mr. Delicato, whack, whack, whatever, would meet Tommy eventually, very shortly after he came back from Japan. Uh, and very shortly after that, Mr. Indelicato uh, would introduce Tommy to the Bonanno crime family. And for one reason or another, maybe they had similar ideals, maybe they had a very similar mindset, but Anthony Indelicato really grew close and kind of uh, looked out for Tommy in in almost every single way. Uh, Tommy, on the other hand, respected Anthony and Delicato, but Mr. I don't know, fucking Anthony, Tony. Tony was a massive drug addict. Tony, whack, whack. 
Cocaine and heroin were her, his drugs of choice. And if there's one thing about Tommy that sticks with him other than his high-pitched voice is his disdain for drugs. At least he's taking straight them. edge. He he's so he would Hell sell. Yes, he's straight edge. He <laughs> went to he went to Japan to become a martial arts master. Yeah, that you're right. Dude is the most straight edge guy who ever. He kills, but he's like drugs are bad. He he would dabble in them once in a while, but he always said, and the, the, the thing that people repeat constantly is that. He loved to say he had control over the drugs. The drugs didn't have control over him. Oh, never and mind. He wasn't straight edge. <laughs> Just but don't tell him how Bruce Lee died. Right, of course. Um, it's it's one of those things, though, that as they talk about him, he was while people were partying and getting high and all this stuff, he never did. He always left. He never did. Dr- he never really participated. And a lot of that comes from his paranoia of always being listened or watched, and he never wanted to be get caught unaware where somebody could kill him easily because he was stoned or high. Uh, he, he respected himself, I guess, at the very least that way. So while he and uh, Tommy and Tony kind of grew close to one another, it wouldn't be long till after Tommy was brought into the Bonanno crime family that Mr. Indelicato would kind of be left by the wayside by Tommy because he was used up for all he was worth. Um, now the that Bonanno- they had a real fucking murderer, samurai, yeah. karate hands murderer. Yeah. Wow. The Bonanno crime family themselves immediately took a liking to Tommy. Uh, he was well put together, well dressed, respectful, and built like a motherfucking truck. Everything, uh, he was fully Italian as well, and something about the mafia, at least during this time, I'm sure it's true at least now, they do not take anybody that is not of pure Italian blood. Um, so that helped him quite a lot. Uh, and eventually, with Bruno's blessing, uh, with, with Bruno's help, rather, which is somebody, the, the Anthony, he's got so many names. This is why I got confused all the time. Uh... The Bonanno crime family would take Tommy in as an associate. An associate is someone who works and is paid by the family to do kind of side work, busy work, but they're not yet a made man. A made man in mafia means there's a whole ceremony to it. You are fully inducted to the family and are trusted with their secrets. Uh, more profitable work, but also more dangerous work. And Does you that mean get- they'll always do right by you too? In, according to their code of ethics, yes. As long as you follow their code of ethics, they will always defend you, uh, do what they can to get you out of trouble, and look out for you. But if you cross them in any way, any minor way, that was grounds for death, pretty much. That was kind of their, their law. So um, low-stress job, yeah. Yeah, low-stress job, right. But if you become a made <clears throat> man and you make it to old age, usually you know, you are now a, a major boss. They, the, the rankings of the way the mafia work is very much kind of reminiscent of a video game where there's like the head boss, the sub bosses, and then there's their lieutenants and the lieutenants usually have their own little, little associates that they command around. Um, but for now, to- Tommy was just a glorified runner boy, but soon Patera would earn his bones, which is a saying that they use and get his first order to murder somebody. That means that means getting an order to kill somebody. Yes. Okay. When you earn your bones, you are given... Basically, it's it's your opportunity, not necessarily to become a made man, but it could lead that way, but to be more than an associate at the very least. Um, and he, he, they would what they would do is they'll give you a target to kill, but they will not give you the reason that the person is being killed. Uh, they will only give you who it is and where he can be found, and you are just to do it if you want to be anything more than an associate. And because Tommy had done nothing but practice how to kill and... Uh, kind of led the past many, many years of his life learning how to fight and kill. He did it without, without can questioning, ask, without delay. Question as we get yeah. into this. Mm-hmm. Um, did he kill with guns or is it as like, I don't want to say cool 
because murder's never cool. But did he like come out of nowhere with like ninja skills? <laughs> Captain, it appears his uh, <laughs> his face had been punched off. So right. his did he way- use his talents? To kill or did he just so, shoot people? Because that's boring if he shot people. But if he like came out of the <laughs> night like an evil Batman and just took dudes out, that'd be incredible. Tommy Patera killed many different ways. Um, a gun is is a tool he would use regularly. Uh, Tom. Uh, he used ice picks a lot as well. Oh my um, God. He would use knives. He would use swords. He had a collection of nords and, he used uh, swords. swords? Yeah, he had swords that he would use to stab people. Man, Didn't I don't want to ever die by sword. That's yeah. a shitty way to go. Or, or an ice pick to the head. I, which would, he I would love, if somebody's going to fucking murder me, and he's like, how do you want me to do it? I would be like, kill me with a sword. That's badass. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> Send not. me out of the right. That's not badass. That's You just got killed by a sword. How many people? It's 2018. You just died only by cool a sword. People, only cool people get killed by swords in 2018. If it was if it was fifteen thirty five, I would be like, shoot me with a gun. They'd be like, I'd be like, that's impossible. Getting killed with a sword is almost like getting killed with a gun in fifteen thirty five. That's badass. That's like getting killed like a fucking Highlander. I love that. A sword is so silly. No, was it a katana? A gun is yeah. Was it a katana? Oh my god! I want a katana. No, now I have now I have Mickey Mouse the mobster with a katana in my mind. Does he, he have has, a katana? Yes, he. of course he has a katana. Of course oh he has a katana. God. Yes, is, he had a ton of weapons. And we'll, we can talk about those when we get to the part oh where they go through his apartment God. and, like, collect everything. Um, this is Weeaboo Breaking Bad. This is Weeaboo Breaking Bad. Literally. So, the way... So, if we, if we were to label Tommy as a type of serial killer, and there's different types, um, which, you know, is a whole other topic, but uh, he would be labeled, in my opinion, as a product killer. He didn't... What a product killer is is they don't particularly like the the act of killing. They want the body afterward to do with what they want. And that seemed to be what his go-to was. So Tommy would always kill, uh, almost always with a gun. But however he ended up killing, it was always instant. It was never – he never tortured nor did he care too much unless it was like something very, very personal to him. Which it doesn't seem like he did ever or at least rarely. Um, but he would kill them. But then what he would do after that is where the kind of creepiness comes in. He would take the body, bring it to a tub. He would always make sure there was a tub nearby when he killed the person. This is Breaking Bad. And like he a would tub? run a bathtub, like uh-huh. a bathtub, run the water until it was a very specific temperature, put the body in there, take his, uh, his uh, dissection or his uh, autonomy, uh, what do you call it? Not anatomy tools. Autopsy his, uh, kit. Autopsy tools. And he would dismember the body slowly and cleanly and as the uh, autopsy professionals would put it when they found the bodies, professionally, almost as though a doctor did it, into six pieces. The two legs, the two arms, the torso, and the head. And what he did afterwards is he always would take a trophy of the person he killed, whether it be a piece of them or something that they owned. Which like in an ear? Uh, well, the, the, the most gruesome thing is he took the head of somebody at one point, And Holy nobody shit. knows what he did with it when he took it home. Um... And, uh, he, yeah, when you take something home like that in, in serial killer language, it's called a totem. It's a way to represent that you are better than these people. That you can take what you want, life it's or your scoreboard, physical. Yeah. And it's your scoreboard. And he, he kept them all and kept them very, very, very safe in a very, in a very specific safe that he had hidden. That was kind of his vault of things that he took from these people. Um, so that's kind of the person he was. It wasn't necessarily about the tools and the way he killed. It was what he did with them afterward. Um, but, like I said, kind of rolling back. To his very first kill, 
He murdered somebody. We don't know who it was. We never found out who it was. Never found the body as the mafia took care of it. And Tahami wasn't taking care of the bodies at that particular point. Uh, and it's likely that they burned it in an oil drum or something along those lines as they typically did. But he did. And as soon after that, Patera would become a made man with a full fucking ceremony that when described is really kind of cool. And like this idea of like, all the big bosses come around in this dark room with lit candles and shit, and they you go through an oath and you do all this like very ritualistic shit to become a made man. And then shortly after, that's when people would start to become would start to disappear. And the murders would begin on eventually found many years later, cut up and buried in cheap suitcases. But that's all gonna be happening for episode two. I'm ready for this. I'm ready to get nuts. I can I be real with you? Yep. I was expecting this to be a story, because I know nothing about Tommy. And yeah, neither did I. Like, older pictures of Tommy, he looks like he put on a little weight, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't see it, Tommy. I think you look great. Please don't kill me. Um, <laughs> however, I expected it to be like he was just a, a an Italian boy who was really good at killing, and they were like, oh, yeah, he kills like he's Bruce Lee in the movies. And... They named him Tommy Karate. Nowhere in this story did I think it was going to end up with him in Japan. For several years. For two and a half, like two years and three months or something. Learning from masters, becoming a legitimate karate master. It is crazy that that's where that story went. So now do you see why that the whole beating somebody up in prison without leaving a mark isn't that far-fetched? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. What I think is insane is that he basically, Alex is right about the whole Street Fighter thing. He basically is the villain in every karate movie. Like, he trained somewhere. There was another guy who trained with him for 27 months who is the good guy in this story. Who's going to come defeat him at some point. Yeah, who was was like, one day we will meet again. And his mouth moves, but, like, words don't come out. Yeah. 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 If you want want the hero of the story and you want to look him up, his name is Jim Hunt, who, I shit you not. Michael Hunt is his name. Yeah. Jim Hunt is uh, one of the first members of the DEA. Uh, he ever, yes, ever. All right, uh, be- be- but the DEA was named like two or three different things before it was officially called the DEA. The men uh, James black. Hunt, DEA, New York Field Division. James Hunt literally looks like my dad with hair. Well, here's the thing: Are you looking at Jim Hunt, or are you looking his at his father, who was also an FBI mastermind, James Hunt? Well, there's James Hunt. I'm looking at James Hunt, and it's a color it picture, might be. so I imagine. Okay, so yeah, that's got to be that. Uh, imagine the it's him. One. But the story of him is that Jim Hunt's father was also in the FBI, and he was a star in the FBI. Put away a ton of criminals. And Jim Hunt was his protege, and he put behind the bars, I shit you not, the sons of the people his father had put away when he was in the FBI. What in the hell? This story is insane. There's a lot of Jim Hunts. Oh, well, yeah, that's not yeah, surprising. That's a Jim common Hunt name. DEA, and you can see his picture. Yep. Uh, he he worked fucking tirelessly when uh, the Tommy Patera case came across his desk. And if it wasn't for him and his partner uh, and the people that we, we may be talking about next week a little bit, uh, Tommy Patera may not have ever been caught because Tommy Patera was incredibly good at knowing or at hiding his tracks and never being seen. Whenever he was in his, his own car, he always blasted the radio or put on white noise so that the if he was bugged, um, no one could hear anything he was saying, which 
was true. He was being bugged all the time. He never sat in the front seat. He always sat in the back seat so nobody could get behind him. If he was at a restaurant or a club, he was always up against a wall so nobody could get behind him. It was The, the dude was like paranoid as all hell, which is why he was able to do what he did for as long as he did it. This, he's a fascinating person. Horrible, horrible monster. Deserves life behind bars ten times over. Um, but man, I'm surprised there's no movie about Jim Hunt versus Tommy Patera. I wonder how he squared fuck, honor, right? Because if you went through all those years of learning about karate and learning mm-hmm. about martial arts and learning about, I guess, like just the idea, I, I feel like someone would have taught him the idea of honor. And I wonder how he squared that with killing people. The way it's talked about is the one thing, women. Never, he killed, uh, that's a lie, he killed one woman ever, and he gave her, like, a ton of warnings ahead of time, like, stop doing what you're doing, stop doing what you're doing, she never listened, she always did it, so he killed her out of his sense of duty and honor, um, but he never, he never disrespected, uh, family and, 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 and women, um, and those he, that were above him in the mafia, he respected and obeyed to the letter, I think he just took what he perceived as honor from his training and melded it with the mafia sense of honor, and kind of had his own code of ethics. Okay. But, yeah, that's how I feel. That's that's what he seems like. But we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that afterward. Now, for us, we won't be talking about him until we get back from Indie PopCon. So that'll be fun, a fun thing to come come uh, come to. But uh, if you guys want a little preview, if you're going to be at Indie PopCon, I'm going to tell you two what the topic is finally. Oh no! It's, Here we go. It's the Demon House of Indiana. Ah! What the fuck? Yeah, is, is it close enough to go to? I don't know. Um, oh my god! But Mr. Zach Baggins, I think is his name himself. Did a Zach whole Baggins? movie on. Yeah, the the guy who did the, the guy who does that guy. Yes, the Ghost Adventures guy. Yes, he bought the house. He did a movie on it, and then he tore it down because it was too scary. <laughs> I guess, or you possessed. know. There's no evidence that anything was happening, but the demon house is what we're going to be talking about in Indie PopCon, or have already talked about by the time this episode ends up going live. Good but Lord. that's episode one of Tommy Karate Patera. Episode two will be around in a couple of weeks. Amazing. Hope you boys, in- hope you boys enjoyed. That was really I, fun. That I, was fun. I, I am blown away that that man did those things. Yeah, that's that's all I got to say about it. Like what I said, a- when I I looked, I'm like, is there a movie about this guy? Nothing. There's just this book, and then what you can find online. It and like, seems ludicrous. It doesn't like if you what a trip. Propose yeah. this to a Hollywood executive, they'd be like, that's nonsense. No one would believe that. And yet, <laughs> but it's true. It happened. And yet, yeah. And there's all kinds of pictures of Tommy in this book with him with sunglasses on and shit, and he looks like such a dork. <laughs> so great. I gotta, I gotta Tommy, I, I don't gotta, think you look like a dork. Please don't. I haven't, looked at, I haven't looked at a picture of him yet. I'm, I gotta do it. Here I go. Um, okay, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Look, while, while, I want your reaction when you see Tommy Karate The very first Patera. photo I, ever, I saw was him. Do, like He had like a gut, and he was doing the splits. Is a photo that I saw. The yeah, splits. he... Uh, Wow, he looks uh, pretty scary. He looks like... He just looks like a mobster. Right. Like he, yeah. That's what I said. He looked, I, I thought it was just a joke, them calling him Tommy Karate. But really, he it, it's not a joke, I guess. It's no. Straight up, like, he's a master. Yeah, yep. there's another, there's a, there's another uh, mafia hitman who did get the movie treatment and everything. There's a great movie with um, uh, Chris Evans and Michael Shannon... Uh, huh. Out there, it's called. I believe it's called the Iceman or something like that. Uh, Iceman. That actually sounds familiar. Yeah, he he uh, 
he did a bunch of stuff on HBO, like interviews and stuff. Uh, and and they're like really interesting, but it's 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 called the Iceman, I think. Yeah, it's called the Iceman, okay. and it's and it's about this this other mafia hitman, and then Chris Evans is his like partner who like helped him store the bodies in an ice cream truck as they like went around doing their killings. Uh, but by the way, for the record, so in Karate Kid, mm-hmm. um, the crazy guy. The like, you know how there was the guy who swept the leg, but there was the other guy in the background who was like, "Get him, get him, that guy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name was Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, "That was Governor Chris Christie." <laughs> no. no. <laughs> oh my god. Well, that, like that any good incredible. villain, his downfall has to do with a great FBI agent, Jim Hunt, and the betrayal of one of what he considered a close friend. Wow. We'll talk about that next episode. Thank you guys so much for watching or listening. God damn it. Not watching. I'm not doing a video. I'm doing a podcast. I mean, some people are watching it. Yeah, some people are watching, kind of. Uh, anyway, thank you guys so much. We appreciate your love and support. We are very nearly crossing over 300 five-star reviews on iTunes. So if you will, if you listen on iTunes and you love the show, feel free to give us a, a little bump there because iTunes loves their their five-star reviews for how they end up rating podcasts. Uh, again, if you're, if you're at Indie PopCon this weekend while we're there, say hi to us. If you see us, it'll be great to just say hi, and uh, I'm excited to do the show. Alex and Jesse, thanks for joining us, for, for joining me on yeah, this uh, wonderful adventure down Crime Lane. Hell yeah, I had a great time. And uh, if you guys want to chat at us, subreddit, as always, Chiluminati Pod, uh, Chiluminati Pod on Twitter, Mathis Games for myself, Jesse Cox for Jesse, and Faciane A for Mr. Alex. Talk to us, tell us how much you love our stuff. And we'll see you next Congratulate time. Congratulate us on our success. Congratulate us, obviously, and buy us boots. Don't listen to these idiots. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Certificate. Yeah, I'm a fucking certificate. <laughs>